What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I will be your host. Producer Kyle is out this week, and today I am joined by WWE superstar, world heavyweight champion, and world's strongest man, Mark Henry. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good. What's up? Not much. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. You were just in Rio. I was. And I'm going through your Twitter timeline. You get to do all these amazing things that other people don't get to do. First of all, your picture with you in the Longhorns t-shirt next to the Christ the Redeemer statue is yes. unlike anything I've ever seen because that statue is huge. It's like 100 feet by 100 feet, and you look big next to it. It's crazy. <laughs> That's uh, creative photography. Right, exactly. I'm going to put myself in there, <laughs> make sure. It's like a tiny little statue behind you over your shoulder. Oh, gosh. Did you feel small, though, when you actually stood next to it? Completely. Because it's huge. It is. That is a huge... It's like walking up to the Empire State Building and just looking up. It's just like, it just takes your breath away. Is that the most impressive thing of the landscape and of everything that you saw in Rio? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to beat. Yeah. You start uh, naming landmarks around the world, and I've been blessed to be able to travel all over the world and see a lot of things, and that is now at the top of the list for me. And I think a lot of it, too, was... Um, from an emotional standpoint, being a Christian and um, seeing validation, I always love to uh, see validation in my faith. And I like how you decided to put on a bunch of different T-shirts to gotta, rep all stages rep my in people. your life. You I had your WWE shirt on. You had your Texas Longhorn short. You had your Texas, the town my, that you were born in. My Silsby. Your uh, Silsby shirt on. Straight out of Silsby. Straight out of Silsby. Oh, my gosh. I and, loved and it. I had like 2,000... Uh, likes mm -hmm. on the picture, and there's only 3,000 people in my town. <laughs> so I guess some of the surrounding people tend to look at they it. They like that you rep that. Is that important for you to rep where you come from? Most definitely. I mean, it, it, it's, it's the foundation of what you are and how people see you, and you got to take the good with the bad. You know, people like redemption stories the same way people like and respect people that actually. Um, love where they're from. You look at, at Bolt mm -hmm. uh, and from Jamaica. He don't live in America. He lives in Jamaica. Yeah. Like he's the national treasure of that country. Yeah. And um, you know, like I, I'm I'm not Bolt, but um, you know, I try to represent my people well. Although I thought it was interesting when he was doing the interview the other day, he stopped for the American national anthem. A lot of respect. But see that's that's training. Yeah. That's um having respect for, for, for something that's not just you, being, out, being able to get out of your own head yeah. and not see further than your own nose. There's so many metaphors that can explain it. But he is respectful. Yeah. And people can see that he is a grown man. He's respectful. He's got class. He's got exposure. He understands, you know, like, hey, hold on a second. Like, somebody's anthem is playing. Yeah. Like, speaks volumes. It's almost like being able to be outside of yourself and watching the things that you're doing and being super self-aware. Mm -hmm. And I feel like those people end up making it farther just in life because they're able to, you know, see how they affect other people and how their actions end up, you know, uh, representing themselves. Right. And those people, you know, just because of their self-awareness, they just go so far. Yeah. It's and wild. I, I, I was told from an early age, um, you're going to go places that other people will never get to see. So report the news, not like, oh, look at me, I got to go, but look where we're going. Yeah. Like, man, like, I'm, let me tell you how it is, you know, and you want to empower other people. And that, that's, that was some of the best advice I ever got from Dr. Terry Todd, who is a professor at the University of Texas. And one of been like a father figure to me. He was he was the guy that actually came to my little small town in Silsby and uh, said, "I heard about this kid. I want to I want to meet him. I want to know if it's true." And his whole deal with trying to find me was he thought somebody was mistreating me because he thought that somebody was pumping me full of drugs and he wanted to expose it mm -hmm. and stop it. Was and that true? No, I, I mean I wasn't on drugs. Uh -huh. But he, he came to the town with the intent on making me not die, Got which it. has been a theme with the lifters throughout history that, that took drugs. Um, 
guys that I, I respected and liked and they're not here no more. Yeah. You know, and young guys. You know, 23-year-old Jesse Marunde um, died like three years ago and left a two-year-old baby. Like, I mean, it's like the madness has got to stop. Well, and you also, so you've been part of a separate federation of weightlifters and powerlifters that are drug-free. And they're... Always competed drug-free. And there are two separate entities? Is that how it works? Yeah. And yeah. all of the guys who are in the entity that's not drug-free are all doing drugs. That It's just un, like an unspoken rule? It, yeah, it's just unspoken. Like, they, they just won't go compete where they're going to get drug tested. They, oh. they, they're happy with, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, I only take a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but you're taking something. Right. And um, I never wanted to compete against them. Uh, some of them would, would what we call get clean. Yeah. And then they would come and compete in drug tested meets mm -hmm. and um, it's still I had no respect for it. Well you go so you were in Rio scouting athletes. Yep. And do athletes ever come up to you and ask you advice about drug testing and how to stay clean and how to do it the, the right way or the, the clean way? Do you ever not get really, advice? Not really. Not really. I more volunteer that type of information. You know like I, the first thing that I'll ask um, a guy or a girl that we're scouting is you know, are you drug free? Because we have a, you know, drug testing program and, you know, it's hard to try to get over on drug testing. You're going to get caught. Yeah. So. Hmm. Okay. So you met a bunch of awesome athletes while you were down there. A few pictures that I saw you take with um, were Jenny Arthur. Is that how you pronounce Jenny her name? Arthur. Yeah, the Team USA weightlifting record holder. <clears throat> What's she like? Just a sweet, like, it seemed like she was like a little girl, mm -hmm. like like she's six or seven years old, but she was grown up. Yeah. And just very sweet and innocent. And um, uh, I watched some of her training um, via the Facebook or mentions or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like she trains like you need to train to be an American record holder. Mm -hmm. Like her training is rough. She's super serious. Yeah, about she's it. serious. Yeah. She wants to be great. And do you think she will be? I think she will be. She's young still too, like early twenties, and um, she can lift another six or seven years at a high level. And so she's got another Olympics where she can. She came in six. I think that she can medal at the next Olympics. Wow. She keeps at the level of progress that she's at now. You also, you tweeted about Michelle Carter. Did you ever meet Michelle Carter? I know Michelle very well. You do? She, she went to the University of Texas, and I used to see her in the gym every day. So for those of you that don't know, she's the first ever U.S. Olympic women's shot put gold medalist. Gold medalist, right. yes. And her dad was Michael Carter, who um, holds still the one of the most unbreakable, uh, if there's such a thing, record. Uh, that ever was and high school shot put he threw a 12 pound shot like 82 feet and I'm guessing that's far that's very far <laughs> and it hit a fence and dropped down and they measured it from the point where it dropped so it would have gone further it would have gone further wow and um, he won a silver medal mm -hmm. in 84 or 88 um, I have to do my my due diligence something like that but a father and son medalist team. Father and daughter, right? Father and daughter right, right. medalist team is unbelievable and unheard of. Well, especially because he won silver, although he could have probably won gold, and then she goes and wins gold. Right. Having the next generation come and even do better than the parent, right. I mean, obviously has to be... My, Michael put his attention on, on making a living for his family. Right. Um, he, he, I think he would have been the Olympic champion uh, had he not chose to play nine years, uh, ten years for, with the San Francisco 49ers yeah. and was an all-pro, right. not just a, a good player. He was one of the best players in the league. Who else down there impressed you in Rio? Uh, you know what? Travis Stevens uh, was one of the guys we scouted, and I was real impressed. He, he looks good, but he looks tough. He's judo, right? Judo. Okay. Looks like he will hurt you yeah. just walking and you you touch him and he feels like this table just like hard <laughs> and i was like that's that's the kind of people we need to scout
And are these people that you're scouting for WWE? Did you see anyone specifically that you saw almost, you know, on site, and you were like, this person could translate <coughs> to professional wrestling? Uh, the Cuban wrestler uh, can't pronounce his name, and I'm not going to assassinate it. Okay. But um, boy, I wish we could um, work something out with the Cuban government to get him because he's special. Yeah. And not, I think he would have been a great NFL football player. He would could have been a great basketball player. Like, he's he's very athletic. He's too athletic for wrestling. Like that's why he just destroys everybody. And if if there was a poll for a guaranteed gold medal, it would be him and Michael Phelps. Wow. Or him and and Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. Like he's that caliber of athlete in his sport. So from all of the Team USA athletes that we've watched. Anyone, I mean, who stood out to you the most? Who's been your favorite to watch? Uh, Biles. Biles, yeah. I mean, seven. She's what, four 70%. foot nothing? I mean, she's tiny, right? Yeah, she's like, you know, a, a hobbit. <laughs> okay, she's not a hobbit. I'm just playing, guys. Oh, personality. But she, I mean, they say she made 70% 70, 70 of her landings w went without a step. Right, she stuck the landing. She's. Which is like, almost who does unheard that? of. Right. Who does that? Exactly. Has it ever, I don't know if it's ever been done before. I don't think so. And the fact that she gets so high, I, her floor routines to me are the most impressive. She gets so high that she does an extra, you know, event in there. Right. An extra combination that nobody else is, is capable of doing. Right. And, she, and I mean, even on the, the vault, too. Yeah. She gets so high that she can do extra revolutions or turns or... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. She attempts like the wolf turn, where she spins around on the beam. Yeah. Like nobody, no, no other gymnast tried it the whole Olympics. I've never seen it done before, honestly. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, I'm saying, time out. And she nails it. She does it perfectly. Yeah, like how do, you, how do you do it and nobody else will even try it? Right. Right. Come on, man. That's, she's just great. It's wild. Overall, your experience in Rio, all positive? Any negatives? Did you see any of the um, drama that's been played out in the news? And the only negativity that I would say is the unorganization of how to get to the venues. Uh, I had to walk like two miles, and I know people are like, oh, <laughs> Mark had to walk. I'm spoiled. Yeah, you are. Smart. You know, I pull up in the in the big black vehicle and I saw at it the outside. door. That's right. And then I come in, I do my thing, and then I get back in the big black vehicle, and in then nice I go. Air conditioned, yeah. Yeah, right. like I'm not used to that, and and I had to walk like two miles. I'm I'm gonna send you some uh, footage of me uh, walking. Okay. Pissed. Sweating. Sweating. I mean, completely through my clothes, <laughs> and there was just like a random horse just walking along the sidewalk in, into a field and like, hey, Mr. Horace, let me interview you. Come here, come here, come here, let me talk to you. Oh, you gonna turn your back on me? Like, I Have mean, I'm just time. being a clown. Yeah. If I didn't, I, I would have cried. You, um, but you also went to the, and this is the video that I saw, you went to the beach and you said, and I'm quoting you, you're not a big fan of the sand. I don't like sand. What does that mean? <sighs> <laughs> I've never heard of this before. I know I'm not the only person on earth. I hope I'm not. Guys, please, the Mark Henry, reach out to me. Tell me that you don't like sand. You don't like it what? Like in between your toes? I don't like it between my toes. I don't like it on me. Like if you go to the beach, you get sand here, sand here, it's everywhere, and I just don't like it. And because it, like, does it feel nice when you step on warm sand? You don't like that feeling? No. Wow. No, I don't. And people say, oh, man, just lay a towel out. Like, do I look like I need to go and tan? <laughs> no. No. It's just too many negatives when you start talking about laying on the beach. What about in the ocean? Do you like going I to the I love beach? getting jumping in the ocean off a boat. Like, that's, that's yeah. That's I up like your alley. That. I like that. I like being in But the you boat. have to be put on a boat in order to get out there. You can't walk on the sand. I don't want the sand. Okay. I mean, don't, don't judge me. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just trying to get my facts straight. <laughs> All right, Mark, you are a two-time Olympian. Two times. 92 and 96. What were the differences between the two? First one was in Barcelona. In Barcelona. How old were you then? Uh, oh, my God. I was 20. Okay. And um, a fresh 20, June, June 20. And it was August, so I was fresh. And 
I love Catalonia and Barcelona and being able to see um, things that I had never saw before. Did you ever travel to Europe before? N no. Or outside that, of? That was my first time out of America. Wow, okay. Eye-opening then, huh? Just, just yeah. took my breath away. It was yeah. like that, I want to do this more. Yeah. And, and I have, and I've been uh, blessed to be able to go to every continent other than the North Pole, South Pole, and Antarctica. And when the WWE starts doing shows there, I'll be there. You caught the travel bug. I caught it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. But how did you get to the Olympic, the point of being an Olympic athlete? Because, so by the time you were in fourth grade, you're 5'5", five, five, 225 pounds. Are you ruling the school? Are you like the guy? Yeah, but I was like the, the, the good guy. I was the bully bully. Right. I mean, if there's such a thing. Like, there was kids that would act up and act out, and kids would be like, Mark, the guy, Jesse, he just pushed me in the face. And I would, Jesse, come push me in the face. <laughs> or leave him alone. Right. Are we cool? Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, if we went to high school together, from the people that bullied me, I would have you go talk to them. I would go talk to him. It wouldn't be a fight. No. You know, I, I've always been very diplomatic. Right. Well, you just we'd ha you would have a presence, right? Yeah. And people respect it. They know that if I, like, okay, if Mark said that, then obviously there's something to it. Right. You know, I, I've I've tried to live my life that way. Okay. So by the time you finish high school, you're a three-time Texas state champion, mm -hmm. with records, you know, in the state and nationally in a bunch of powerlifting categories. Did you, your mom gave you weights initially. Did you know that this is what you wanted to do? Like when you- From 76 was So as the soon first as time. you got the weights in your hand, you knew that this was this Before was I had them. I mean, I, I saw it when I was in, um, six. Mm -hmm. in, in 76, I saw Vasily Alexiev, who was um, a media darling and one of the most revered Olympians of all time mm -hmm. in any sport. And I was like, wow, that's, I want to be him. And I begged my mom from the time I was six to I was 11 when she finally said, listen, if I bind, will you shut up? <laughs> and that's, that's how it happened. And you got him. I got him. You begged and for them. I used them, and I would watch um, ESPN in their infancy. And they had a, a woman named Corey Everson who... Uh, got inducted into the International Sports Hall of Fame um, four years ago, same time that I did. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I was like, you know that I used to watch the show and copy the stuff that y'all did on the show. And she said, get out of here. Stop lying. I said, no, I'm serious. Like, I used to copy, and I would do the lifts. And that's in my, you know, on, on my little front porch area. If it rained, then I'd have to do it indoors. And you know, them concrete weights that had the plastic around them and the bars would bend and rust after about like one summer and you had to go buy another one. Yeah. And, and that was, that was my, my, my start. That must have been a pretty powerful moment for you to be able to tell somebody who you grew up admiring and copying right. that you did that. Yeah, and she was just so blown away. Like, but that's, that's what it is. Like nobody does it themselves. I mean, I, I could think of 20 people that had a lot to do with me being who I am mm -hmm. from powerlifting to Olympic lifting to strongman to now wrestling. I wouldn't have been able to do any of it without those people. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have happened. And, you know, anybody that stands there and says, you know what, well, it's all about me, 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 you know, like, uh, one, p people are not going to respect them and like them. Right. Because, you know, I've met a bunch of those. Yeah. Um, They're everywhere. Don't meet your heroes. Your heroes will disappoint you. Not really. Not really. <laughs> you can meet me. Except for Mark. He will not disappoint anyone. I, I'm not going to disappoint you. Uh, so from there, you go to University of Texas, Austin, and you were talking about your mentor who got you there, Dr. What was his Dr. name Dr. Terry Todd. Okay. Dr. Jan Todd, both the father and uh, and mother figures, and um, they, Jan was the strongest woman in the world. She was on Johnny Carson, you know, like stuff, and I didn't know who she was at the time, but I remember seeing her on that show because anything that had something to do with strength, I was all about it. Right. So, like, that's um, meeting them and, and hearing the stories and now knowing their history and 
the, uh, the legacy that they've set. They have a, a library in the north end of Texas football stadium. Uh, the Todd McLean, which is now the Letcher Stark Center. Um, they, they do all the exhibits, the bodies exhibit, you know, you name something. Whenever it comes to Austin, it goes through their library. But they introduced you to a more sophisticated way of lifting, right? So weightlifting, which involved, and the Olympic style, right. involved more agility, timing, flexibility, and stuff like that. Yeah, what yeah, was that transition so, like? Um, I was blessed to be a good athlete. I feel so bad when I say, like, I'm good at something. It sucks. You are way too humble. It's unbelievable. But, Do you, have you met other athletes that are just as humble as yes. you? Yes. You have? Yes, a, a bunch of them. And, and they're good people, yeah. Good people. Yeah. And, you know, you also have... But you understand that you're rare, right? And so are those athletes. Yeah, and, and I respect that, though. Of course. I, I, I mean, I feel like um, the people that's like, yo, man, I'm the greatest. You know, I'm, you know, Muhammad Ali is kind of the exception to the rule. Like, he gets away, he got away with it because he was an activist. He There was a lot of other things that made him who he was. But, but people assume to be great, you have to have a huge ego. No, no, that's that's not true. I don't have a humongous ego. No, you don't. Um, I, I love the fact when somebody does acknowledge, man, I read this thing. Is that true? Wow, that's amazing. I can't believe, you know, like, I, I, I'm like, wow, I, I worked hard. And I deserve that. Yeah. But not you know, <laughs> tell me more, man. Tell me more about me. Right. Nah, it's not. Okay. So you go to the 92 Olympics, and at the age of 20, I mean, I'm, I'm just reading this about you, and at the age of 24, you're generally acknowledged as the strongest man in the world. What? Well, mainly because I did all three sports. Um, powerlifting, mm -hmm. Olympic weightlifting, and strongman, which powerlifting, three lifts, squat, bench, deadlift. Mm -hmm. Olympic lifting are the athletic movements, the overhead movements, snatch, and the clean and jerk. Mm -hmm. and which I learned recently because I went and called a... Um, CrossFit? I called a CrossFit, yeah, event out in Long Island. And I had no idea what any of this stuff was. They asked me to come do play-by-play -play for them. And I said, sure, and I did some research. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, snatch. I'm like... Can we say that on like if this is live? Like, can I say snatch? Like, that's appropriate. <laughs> like, no, that's a move. Oh. Okay. Oh my God! You brought a tear to my eye. That's great. <laughs> I see the exercises and I go, Oh my God! I did ten million of those. I don't ever want to do another one of those again. And you know, people laugh, but yeah. I'm like, No, really. Like, I used to push a sled for hours and do handstands at four hundred pounds and. Um, you know, do V-up kicks where you hang because you need to make your grip stronger. Mm -hmm. So you'll hang and you'll pull your feet up and touch your hand. That's the hardest thing like, to me. Because it's core. Right. And, um, you know, I, I love CrossFit. And I think that, um, and a lot of our guys, Seth Rollins is an active CrossFitter. Mm -hmm. uh, Antonio Cesaro is an active CrossFitter. John Cena, you see. 10 million videos of John doing snatches and cleans. And, you know, it, it's, it makes you better. Daniel Bryan won a uh, competition in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, doing Olympic weightlifting recently. And he said, I'll never do it again. He said, Why? It, it broke me down. He said, I was so tired. It's tough. I said, welcome to my world. Well, the misconception was going into it, at least for me, was a lot of these guys are just meatheads. Right. And we'd interview them, and a couple of them, you know, this was just their life, and this is what they did, and they didn't mm -hmm. have, um, you know, many other really interests. or And that's fine, you know, if that's uh, what you want to do. But then some of them, these you guys would sit down. Oh, yeah, I'm going for my doctorate. I'm going for my Ph.D., and I also do CrossFit on the side. It was just amazing to see the spectrum of different athletes who compete in CrossFit. And, it's it, you know, it opens your eyes to that it's not just one specific type of person. A bunch of different people compete in the sport. Yeah, if people like to challenge themselves, they will love Olympic weightlifting. Because even if you do everything right sometimes, you, you won't make it because it's a testament of will. Right. And you have to fight the position sometimes. And... Um, How much of it is mental over the physical? I would say about 60% mental. Wow. I, I've, the best snatch, the heaviest snatch that I ever made, I felt the worst 
that a human being could feel. I was sick. I told my coach I just torn a callus, and just the thought of putting the neural in on the bar on it used to hurt. Mm -hmm. And he was like, "Look, just stop complaining and do it." And I reluctantly walked to the bar and had to chalk up, and now it's like blood cakey type of running off my hand, and I did a 182-kilo snatch. Wow. And I knew then, I was like, okay, if I feel this bad, one of these days I'm going to feel really good, and I'm, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's how weightlifting is, and it, it translates to life. You know, you, you go out every day with the intent on being a success, and sometimes your demand will keep you down. But you got to keep on going. You well, gotta, you're like Jordan with the flu, right? You just, you know, power through mentally. Power through it, and um, people will revere you for your greatness uh, if they see that you had adversity and fought through it rather than it just happened. Yeah. I mean, we love our redemption stories. We do. We love the uh, beating the odds stories. And, um, I think that that's one of the things that uh, has kind of made my life what it is, you know. And I, I'm I'm working on my book right now, and it's you know called My Truth, mm -hmm. and my truth through sports, life, love, happiness, dieting, you name it. And um, you know, it's a struggle to tell the truth because the truth affects other people. Yeah. And. There's some, my mom said, look, don't write a book until I'm gone. And when my mom passed away, I was like, well, I guess I can write my book now because <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't want to hear me talk about people. Yeah. And I have to tell the story. Yeah. You know, but um, I didn't intentionally wait. It's just that now uh, here I am at the end of my sporting career. Uh, I'm 45 years old. Like I've exceeded the expectations and the timing of an athlete. And I said, don't cry for me uh, when I retire because of how joyful my life has been mm -hmm. in sports. Um, I'm going to be able to keep that going and help other kids and uh, help other serious athletes with the psychology of sports. Um, that mental thing that we talked about uh, needs to be honed in, needs to be sharpened. Mm -hmm. And it don't matter how great an athlete you are. Like I said, I didn't do it by myself. I had people going sharpening me mm -hmm. the whole time. And um, that's, that's kind of like what my, I think my next plight is going to be. Do you have an end date in mind for your career? No. I have no idea. People say, man, you're not working that much no more. I was like, yeah, I'm 45. Like, you, when you're 45... Come holler at me. Yeah. Come holler at me. Talk to me. Exactly. Let me know if you can work 150 days. Do you think I can't it'll do that no more? Do you think it'll be like A-Rod, where when the day finally comes, it'll just kind of shock you a little bit, and you'll be like, "This, I didn't, you know, want this day to come, but it's here, and now I'm going to mentor other people." Yeah. But you but I'm already that, I'm that already feeling. that guy. Right. You know, you ask any of the. Well, and so was A-Rod. You know, leading this past season, he's been pretty. Uh, you know, he's been mentoring a lot of the younger players, and he's had a, an amazing role in that clubhouse, especially with the younger guys who have come up. And uh, and we've seen you do that a lot too, but there's a big difference between mentoring guys while you're still active and then when you finally decide to officially retire and then mentoring is your full-time job. Well, a the reason for that in sports is you've always, you're always told uh, you're the guy, act like it. When you start telling other people you're the guy, then you're telling yourself in a roundabout way, okay, you're not the guy no more. Your time has passed. And it, 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 it messes with you being effective for what you're supposed to be doing. So it's very difficult to be able to tell yourself, you know what, I'm not the man I used to be. Man, it's, it sucks getting old, but Father Time is undefeated. That's a really and, interesting concept, too. Yeah, it's hard to do. And I realized it, that I was not the man that I used to be about three years ago. And um, I, I've always tried to help people, but 
when it came to being having my position taken, now I got to play second, or you know I got to be behind somebody. I, I I'm not I'm not the take your ball and go home kid, but maybe I need to go to another team that where I can play still. That yeah. they don't have that strength at that position, mm -hmm. because you know I, I'm I don't want to be second. Right. But uh, where I am in my career now is like I want people to make the business better so I can bow out, bow out gracefully. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want the business to suffer or have a setback because I left. When you were the man leading up to the 96 Olympics, you did this whole media tour, right? You were on mm -hmm. Leno, you were on Conan, you were on Oprah, and you were shot naked by Annie Leibovitz. She did a whole photo shoot with you. Were you always- Tastefully done. <laughs> as you do say so yourself. Were you always this media guy? Were you always comfortable in, you know, in the in talking to media and being? Yeah, I just I never been in shy. Public persona? Yeah. You know, like I, I'm I'm a clown, really. I'm 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 really suppressing the clown, like. Oh, do you want to put on a costume and dance around? Man, yeah, I don't know I'll do it. I'll do it. I have no, listen. <laughs> my. Just no singing, right? I just can't sing. We talked about that. I was like, I, I I'm not saying I would trade everything. I would trade but I a lot. think I would trade maybe seventy percent to be able to sing like seventy. That's a Gregory lot of percent. Gregory Porter, or Marvin Gaye, or Luther Vandross, or somebody. I, man, I love to be that guy. To be like one of the best singers of all yes, time. Yes, to be yeah. one of the best of all time. People just revere you for singing. It's a gift. It really is. It's pretty special. You were hurt in the '96 Olympics. You hurt your back. Injuries yeah. throughout your career have been. I mean, tough to say the least. Was that the hardest one in the Olympics, or was there something else that stuck out in your mind injury-wise that was tough for you? No, that was that was the toughest one. Um, I had one in wrestling, uh, probably 2007. It was um, where I was. I had my first really run at becoming WWE champion, and uh, I tore my shoulder up. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, God, I just can't get a break. And, you know, little did I know, um, five years later, I'd be world champion. And it took five years for me to be able to get back to the mountaintop. And some people never get to the mountaintop. Yeah. I was able to get there twice. And the second time... Um, be able to actually get the job done. And that was, um, it was a special time. When you first connected with Vince McMahon, when you were first going into the WWE, what was that? I hung that? up on him. You did? Yeah. Like, I, I, um, I thought it was one of my buddies playing a joke on me because we used to all watch wrestling. We were big wrestling fans. Yeah. You know a wrestling fan. I do. My husband. And we... We would watch, and I get this phone call, and I'm living in a dorm in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center, and I go and answer the phone. Hello? Hey, is this Mark Henry? Yeah, this is Mark Henry. He's like, uh, this is Vince McMahon with the WWE, or WWF at the time. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Wes. Click. <laughs> you know, I just hang up because I thought it was Wes Barnett, who was one of my teammates, who also did voices. Mm -hmm. And he's a clown like I am. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay. So now Terry Todd calls me. And he's like, hey, uh, did you get a Which call from Which is essentially Vince like dad calling, right? Yeah, it's like dad calling. <laughs> he's like, did you, uh, did you get a call from Vince McMahon? And I went, like the real Vince McMahon? <laughs> and he was like, yes. And I, was, he was, I think I did. I thought it was Wes. And I hung up. <laughs> he was like, Listen, let me call him and answer the phone. You know, you talk to me like a kid. And I was like, oh, man. And then we, we called, he called back and um, I said, I'm sorry I hung up on you. Like, I, I did not think that was, he was like, oh, don't worry about it. And it was like, we, we had a, a good relationship from the beginning and still do. And your relationship throughout has been, has been strong? Yes, very. How important is that for your WWE career? to have the guy kind of, you know, 
you and him be You know what? I think that it's important, but he's a businessman. If I was not doing my job, then he would have done what a job, what a a boss would do. Right. You know, delegate your duties, move you down, get rid of you, like whatever. He would have had to do that. And I think that um, we would have still had a relationship um, afterwards. But, you know, thank God that my career went the way that it was supposed to go. And... um, you know, here we are almost 20 years later and uh, been a world champion multiple times and held a lot of um, positive roles in the industry and uh, just very eclectic and different um, from the sexual chocolate and uh, being the world's strongest man um, to now the hall of pain and being the strongest man again like you know i went man i did a full gambit of uh you've had a lot you have a lot of amazing storylines throughout your career really, doing really well my producer kyle wanted me to ask you about the may young storyline and right. a lot of wrestling fans know a lot about it i don't know so much about it so i'm going to sum it up as she was an 80 year old woman yeah. female wrestler carrying your child and then she gives birth to a hand Right, and Mark, I, I do you understand? You know, do you understand why it's sometimes hard for me to get into the WWE? Like, come I, on! I'm telling is, you, I know. I mean, that's not even real life. It's it's not even fiction. It's like <laughs> it's, it's absurd. Like and 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 that's the thing that makes people love it is the fact that they can laugh at themselves, and we can laugh at ourselves, and um, realize that there are more serious things in the world. Yeah, and. Dealing with real news, when I say real news, I mean like serious news, you got that. But you need moments like Mark Henry kissing a 80-year-old woman like she's the love of his life because it's acting. Like you you want to entertain, and, and that's what we do. We want people to laugh. We want people to smile. We want people to... Uh, look at our business and go, okay, that guy's talented to be able to pull that off and not just, you know, do it for shock value. Like, it was months and years that we, you know, did that role. Was it hard for you to reconcile the fact that you were an entertainer versus a competitive athlete? Not at all. No. Because I've always been an entertainer. Right. I always wanted the stage. I was always the kid, like... uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, he would walk in with all the adults and go, hey, everybody, (laughs) and make everybody laugh. Like, that was always me. I was always the kid that was trying to entertain everybody. When you first got into the WWE, you were kind of a little bit of a shithead, huh? And they sent you to Calgary to train with the Hearts? I was arrogant, and I was a star. I told you, I'm spoiled. A little bit. I'm spoiled, man. And how did they break you down? They sent my ass to... Calgary in the dead of the winter with three feet of snow on the ground and said, manage, learn you're, how to wrestle. You're a Texas boy, so that cold probably Golly, was really tough. Huh? man, that was tough. But it, it ended up being the best thing that ever could have happened because I humbled myself. And uh, I met Leo Burke, who was one of, arguably one of the best maritime um, trainers in wrestling. He worked with all the hearts. Mm-hmm. And I befriended Bret Hart, who was historically uh, one of the best uh, wrestlers of all time. And his brother Owen, who I you know, fell in love with like a brother. And uh, I, was in, I ended up in good company and people that could really teach you. And they taught me psychology more than anything. Our business is big versus small, mm-hmm. fast versus slow. Sometimes it's simple psychology like that. But then, it becomes a roller coaster of emotion. And how can I make you hate me? How can I make you love me? How can I make you feel sorry for me? Like, to be able to do that, it requires a level of um, education in your face. If I looked at the camera with no words, and I want you to feel sorry for me. I can cry. I'll make myself cry. And I'll reach. And after a while, the crowd will feel you. 
and they will love you. And they, you know, like that's what we do. And yeah. it's, it's talent, it's, it's, it's practice, it's, it takes a lot of work. And you see Hollywood actors uh, talk about method acting. Um, it's a bit of method, but it's mostly um, old school Broadway pantomime. Like we don't use words all the time to ex express what we're doing and how we feel and how we want you to feel about what we're doing. And that's the complexity of professional wrestling. So you got to combine acting and being an athlete. So you got the best of both worlds. I got the best job in the world. And I love it. And um, You seem to love it. You do. And it comes across. And, and you can I, I tell when people don't. Too. You do. Totally. And you know, uh, another one is Big Show. You know, as, as grumpy as Big Show is at times, I understand why he's grumpy, and I'll point it out to him. Call like, him out. Yeah, just in the middle of it. You know, and now he's becoming the guy, like, we had a tag match, and I'm on the apron, and I'm watching what's going on, and I'm, you know, rooting our guy on, come on, man, you go, and he slaps me on the ass, and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And now we have an interaction, and everybody behind us saw it, and the crowd is like, kiss him, kiss him. Like, <laughs> no, no. Like, you know, and then we start all of that kind of stuff, and yeah. the guy in the ring is whooping the guy, and he comes over, he's like, what are y'all doing? And then it's like, he, he did it, you know, he, he did it, you know, like, and it's entertaining. Like, we didn't plan it. It just, you have to be able to entertain at all costs. And, Everybody gets in on it. You, you just start to feel it. I feel like Big Show could be the answer to this question. Uh, my buddy Matt Camp, who's a huge wrestling fan, wants to know, whose strength in the ring impressed you the most out of everyone that you've ever wrestled with? Big Show is, is up there at the top. Like, he, his sheer size and is, is, is unbelievable. Do you think a lot of people would say that about you? About the size? And, and your strength. Uh, I think so because they've they've seen me bend steel and bend frying pans and turn horseshoes in half and rip phone books and different stuff and pull trucks and um, they've got to see that. But like with Big Show, you don't always see. It. I, I've seen him. He don't he not train like a lifter, but still bench press five hundred pounds. And you go, did. Did you just, and his arms are long, so that means it's, it's, you got a longer way to travel. It just, it's just freaky strong, but uh, pound for pound, uh, Antonio Cesaro mm -hmm. is ridiculously strong Yeah. for a guy his size. I wish he was an Olympic lifter. He could be trained to be an elite lifter. And he doesn't necessarily look that strong. No, just wiry, just strong, deceiving. just country deceiving strong. Yeah. Ron Simmons was that way. Mm -hmm. um, Ron Simmons, you know, he would come in the gym and he had blue jeans on and a tank top and he would pull his, you know, afro pick comb out, comb his hair and just put 315 pounds on the bar, do about 20 reps, sit up, pull his comb out his boot, hair comb his hair some more, yeah. put it back in there, do another set of 20, and, and then just rack it and leave the gym. And that was Here it. Go. That was his workout. <laughs> hey, did y'all just see that? <laughs> like, there, there's been guys that were just physically amazing. You won the World Heavyweight Championship, never the WWE Championship, though. Any regrets? No. Is that bother you at all? Not at all. Um, titles validate you to an extent and then your work validates the rest and um, nobody else has put that length of time other than maybe like five people in history and if I'm at the top 10 in history, top 20 in history, then I feel like I did all right. So we're expecting to be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. I'm going in with you. I say we. That's why I say we. Yeah. We're going in. Everybody, together. come with us. We're all going in. Come with together us, man, to the Hall of Fame. We ask this to athletes a lot, uh, especially to football players. If your kids, if Joanna or Jacob came to you and said, 
Dad, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a pro wrestler. You would say what? When you finish college and you have carved out a niche for yourself, a life for yourself, like what is your legacy going to be? Okay, then you can go. You can come wrestle. I'll be your number one supporter. Okay. And, and basically saying you have to have something to fall back on. Yeah, that's the first thing a parent going to say. Oh, you want to do what? <laughs> Communications? What is that? Everybody communicates. You can't learn how to communicate at a higher level. Like I'm not paying it, all that money for communicating. I'm not paying right. that. I you heard know, that a and, couple times. Um, but here we are. Yeah. And and it's a, a certain level of understanding that you get from your professors about communication, about media, about um, you know learning what goes on in this room with the lighting, the sound you know, the staging, you, you name it. It's so much that goes into it. And I'm like, it's a job. It's a job. It's a good job. Yeah. You know, and you kind of got to know all of it and respect all the people behind the boards and the people that are coming in. And, and just from a, a cleanup standpoint, it would take 40 minutes to get all the monitor speakers, wires and cameras and stuff you know, in, in, in the boxes that they go in. You know, you know it. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of There's work. a lot that goes into it. What if your kids asked you if you do, they wanted to play football? What if women could play football when Joanna's... They do. I've, I've she does? No. I've, not professionally. Not professionally. I'm, I'm saying I've watched women's, rest, women's football. Oh, yeah. You're right. They do, actually. That, that Legends League is... It, it's pretty intense. It's yeah. pretty intense. They, they, they hit people. So if Joanna wanted to do that, or if Jacob wanted would, to be a pro football player? I'd be player. all for it. Okay. I'd be all for it. It's, it's, do they have to play for the Cowboys? They don't have to, but I would, I would you know, support them more <laughs> if they did. Uh, You're such a homer. I'm such a homer. <laughs> it's okay. I am, too. I almost wore team. a Longhorn shirt. I said, you know what? Um, I'm not getting paid by the University of Texas yet. Not yet. So maybe you'll be a professor one day. As long as you don't walk in here wearing the Dallas Star, I'm okay with that. Oh wow! As a Redskins. I fan. forgot being Redskins people. I, you know it's the serious workout here. You know man. I call them the racial slurs. I know the Washington racial slurs. I'm a Washington fan. That's what I say. I'm a Washington. There you go. I'll take that. That works better. I'll take that. You were actually on the practice squad for the Cowboys, though, in 92, right? Uh, with with the guys. Well, 95. 95. 95, Barry Switzer. Uh, I went and worked out, and, you know, it was fun. Like, I had a ball. Uh, it didn't happen, but, um, you know, it was fun to... Same thing with the Oilers, mm -hmm. and uh, right out of high school in 90, 91, uh, I went and worked out for Bob Young, who was best friends with Terry Todd at the time, mm -hmm. and he said, he's just a boy. This is a grown man game. Yeah. You know, I could, I could work him out, but, you know, like, he ain't, he's not going to make the team. Any of the football players you met from that era stand out to you? I mean, I was a Tony Dorsett fan okay. before I was a – you know, like the Cowboys, Homer. Mm -hmm. um, Houston was actually the team that was closer to me growing up. Okay. And I love watching, you know, Love Your Blue, Earl Campbell. And then all of a sudden, Tony Dorsett comes on the scene. And he was a polarizing player, like Adrian Peterson or uh, Marshall Falk, uh, Walter Payton. He, he was that caliber guy, and I was like, I'm following the Cowboys. I like him, and yeah. liking him led to me being a Cowboy fan. Do you think out of all of the pro sports, the, the like let's say the three major pro sports, that football you would have been the most successful at? Yes. Not baseball? Or no. Any I mean, football. not saying I was a horrible baseball player, just that um, – where I don't know where it would have been a good position for me. Where, where they put me was in left field. Mm -hmm. And um, my coach gave me this whole spiel about, listen, you got a strong arm. You can get the ball back into the field of play. I'm like, man, you just got me out here in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> to keep me out the way. 
And, you have uh, too much personality, I feel like, to just hang I out. I could not outfield. just hang yeah. out in left field. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. And then the, I started getting hit a lot. And I had anger issues growing up. Uh-huh. And I thought that it was an attack on me personally. That's why they were hitting me. Mm. They were hitting me because I crowded the plate and I wanted to knock it out of every time. And um, I was a decent hitter. But when I did make contact, Goodbye. See ya. It was gone. I'm I going to do imagine. batting practice today with the Yankees. So. Are you going to do batting practice? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. I'm gonna, I'm That'll gonna be see awesome. If I still got it. How many home runs do you think you got in you? Uh, at least two. Okay. At least two. That's that's the limit. I'm, I'm you know. We're gonna follow up on that. Yeah, we're gonna follow up. We'll see. Out of all the other Olympic sports, which one do you think? So that we were talking about how the handball coach had said LeBron would need. He needs six months to make LeBron. The a best handball. player in yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. And I think it would take less time than that. Less than six months. Yes. And there's not just LeBron, but there's, there's probably 50 guys in the NBA that would be the number one player in team handball. It's, it's unbelievable hand-eye coordination, sport. huh? You're already running and dribbling. You're used to making contact and then attacking. Like the eye-hand coordination, if... if if LeBron can shoot 35 feet with an arc, and now you got a nine foot or eight foot goal that he has to get in the net, you're you're in trouble right. from half court. Right. Not from, you know, the boundary line where you you know people normally attack. He can attack from so much further away. Yeah. And who's going to get in front of the ball to block it? I'm not letting him hit me in the face. No, thank you. No, thank you. Me either. <laughs> it's the money. That's right. This makes all of the money. Do you buy into the LeBron-MJ debate? I Is think so, better? yeah. I, I, I think LeBron has the potential to be that. A lot of the reason that Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan is because uh, Michael let everybody else say he was great. I don't like the fact that uh, LeBron is candid, been trying to be a candidate for the position. You, you, you can't do that. Let, let everybody else argue whether or not you're going to be the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Muhammad, like I said, Muhammad Ali is an anomaly. He's the only guy that can say, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest of all time. I must be the greatest. I'm so pretty. He's the only guy that can do that. Yeah. You know, everybody else is copying him. Right. You know, so LeBron is basically um, making himself look like, you know, look at me, look at me, rather than, you know, my statistics will, will, will play that. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Because if, right now, I think that um, if I had to pick between the two and I was going to create a team, I would pick LeBron. Mm-hmm. I would pick LeBron because of his size and um, how versatile he is, not uh, to have just a, a cerebral assassin and a guy that can score and defend. And, you know, Michael did the best. His his talent was enormous and, and immense. And you can 5,000 adjectives to describe how great he is. But Michael made his teammates better accountability. He was hard on He fought them guys. Mm-hmm. Fist fought mm-hmm. those guys. To me. Listen, if you're not going to do it, I will punch you in the face. Right. He was that guy. He was so intense. And the stories that I've heard, I'm like, that didn't happen. And they go, no, nah, yes, it did. It's just like, wow, man, I'd have beat him in the shower if he'd have done that to me. Right. You know, like, it's, that is his greatness. I don't think LeBron is willing to be hated enough to push his teams to success, hmm. even though he's won. And he's been there, what, seven times? I mean, golly, he's, he's ahead of Michael, and uh, uh, I've been there right. already. So, you know, it's just a matter of time. Let time happen. Who other of the top athletes that you've either watched or met do you feel like, you know, behind the scenes is, is a special person? He's a good guy. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, he's the best. Isn't he so there, great? There's not a, a more fun, down-to-earth, 
You remind me a little bit of Shaquille in terms of your guys' demeanor. We too. get along good. You have to. We get along good. His kids, he he's like, y'all see Unc, make, make sure you say hi to Unc. <laughs> like, I mean, Shaquille is an awesome dude. Like, Because you guys both have this quiet demeanor about you, but you're both super clowns underneath. Just a clown. Yeah. And and I love that about him. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, man, you need to tie your shoe. And I looked, and I had dress shoes on. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you got me. You know, and he's just, like that for everything. stupid stuff. You yeah. know, it's just fun. I, I just love it. There was a press conference. It was actually after a game that he had played in Washington, and I was an intern. And it was one of my first times going into the locker room. And I was leaving the studio. Were you like this? No, I, I, I'd been around locker. I'd been around high school locker rooms my whole life. So I kind of, I mean, it was a little weird, but I kind of, uh, I averted my eyes. But I went in, and I remember one of my, my coworkers yelling it to me after, uh, as I was walking out. She's like, hey, make sure you wear heels. Why do I have to wear heels? Well, because I was going to be interviewing Shaq, and he's the tallest man alive, right? right. So I was like, ah, oh, man, I should have worn heels. So as we're doing the scrum post-game in the locker room, I'm definitely the shortest person there. My arm is stretched out all the way, and the mic is a bit like, you know, coming to his chest, so we're not going to get any audio. So he stops in the middle of his post-game press conference, and he walks across the room, and he goes and gets a stool, and he puts it right in front of him, and he guides my hand, and he goes, here you, here you go, little lady, to have me step on it. I step right through it, and I crash onto the ground. True story. True story. <laughs> Oh my God! And he felt so bad. He's scrambling. He gets. He tries to get me up as fast as I can. I am red. All the guys in the locker room were laughing at me. Oh, I felt so bad. But he was just like, he made me the star after that, right? He felt so bad. He was like, any questions you have? What you know? What else can I answer for you? <laughs> Hold on, let me what get do down like this. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He like sat down and you know crouched down. But he's a good guy. He was um he was always really sweet. Anyone else that really stands out to you besides Jack? That you're really uh. Good buddies with? You know, Tim Duncan is another one that uh, Tim is a lot more fun than he plays up to be. Yeah. He, he tends to uh, play the coy, shy, hey, how you doing? Gonna, but Tim is the guy that, you know, caught me with my back turned, jumped and put a sleeper hole on me <laughs> and was actually choking me. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, stop it. Let me go. Who is this? I turn around, he like this. <laughs> I got you. I was like, yeah, you got me. You almost got beat up. Uh, and especially because you don't really like your back being touched. I don't, I don't like being jumped on and hit. <laughs> and I actually snapped married a guy in a, in a mall in South Africa. And I thought, okay, I'm going to jail. You did what to him? You know, like where you somebody jumps on your back and you uh -huh. grab them like this and you go down to one knee and you flip them over and they land on their back. <laughs> On concrete, no. Hit his head. Is he a lot? Is he out? <laughs> he, well, he wasn't out cold, but he was. Uh, 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 and this and was, was somebody like, you didn't know. It was like a stranger. Uh, yeah, it was just a stranger. He yeah. just jumped on. He deserved it, but I felt bad for him because, you know, I'm. Because <laughs> you slammed him to the ground. Yeah, I slammed him to the ground, but I was like, I'm not. I wasn't being malicious. I was trying to protect myself. Defend yourself. Like yeah, I thought, totally. you know, what what does it look like? Mark Henry got choked out in the mall by a little 185-pound dude. Right. Well, that reminds me of the video that you did where you pranked your wife. Oh, God. That guy patted you on the back really hard, and you just punched him in the face. Fake punched him. Well, I, I gave him a body, gave him a body shot. Or a body shot, but then he started bleeding from the face. Yeah. I, I, he's on the ground, and I your poor wife. I gave him the blood cap. Oh, my God. He's got blood gushing everywhere. He's got a towel to his face. She doesn't know what to do. She's trying to calm you down. Little does she know she's just being pranked. You give your poor wife a heart attack. No, she was. She's strong. She's strong. <laughs> she's tough. I knew she could handle it. <laughs> it's those acting skills, right? I, have to, I got to show people that I got talent, man. I want to be in Hollywood. I want to. I want to be in Marvel movies and play characters and have fun. Like I, I, I look at that as just being a, another challenge. And like, golly, how awesome is it to be able to entertain people and make money awesome that is, i mean it's just like hey are we entertaining give me a dollar <laughs> like i, I want to have a good time and yeah. that's 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 my idea of a good time do you have any crazy sports memorabilia i do what do you have 
I have a, a autograph from Muhammad Ali. Wow. I have a Rey Mysterio's mask, his uh, uh, championship mask. Mm -hmm. um, um, Floyd Mayweather's gloves. Wow. Um, I have a signed shoe by Magic Johnson. Uh, I'm a Laker fan too. Uh -huh. No Cowboys memorabilia. Whoa. Not one piece. Why not? I don't know. I, I, I've, I've got a couple of friends that are former Cowboys, but no memorabilia. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'd rather love it from a distance than that. You're too close to it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I, I want to stand back and admire than to feel like I own something or I possess something. Okay. Mark, we end every podcast with an embarrassing story. Uh-oh. So I kind of already told mine, which is falling in front of everyone and Shaq having to pick me up off the ground. What's, what embarrassing story do you have for us that you can share? And it could be anything. Literally, we've had, we've had athletes come on here and tell crazy, really inappropriate stories, but that's okay, because that's what this podcast is about. Do you have anything that you could think of <laughs> from the history of your life, your amazing, well-traveled, well-rounded life? The worst is... We had a show in Springfield, um, Illinois, and I was like, I'm not driving to Springfield. That's like 500 miles. I'm going to fly to Springfield. Uh -huh. I, went, I went to Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not. It's not funny. It's not. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I don't want to talk about it anymore. When you got there, what did you do? I got to the airport, and I started calling, seeing if there was anybody else that wanted to ride. Like, hey, I got a rental car. Anybody want to, you know? Oh, my God. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're where? <laughs> Bro. Bro, you need to go back to the airport. Like, that's not where we are. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm in Springfield. No. Man, you really you need <laughs> to go to the airport. And I was just like, let me call somebody. Because we used to have books of tickets back mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. You can go to the airport, pull off, sign it, give them to them. You're on the plane. Yeah. No TSA, none of that. Yeah. I'm telling my age. And... So I just said, Springfield. I'm going to Springfield. And it was like, Springfield, Illinois? Yes. <laughs> Go get on the plane. And Good job. Good job. Oh, my God. Nice work. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm not the only person to ever do that. Uh, I think so. Go to, God dang. I think you might be. I'm just kidding. There has to be somebody else. No. I, I'm, I think I'm going to cry. I don't even like remembering. Well, you're good at crying. You're that's, an actor. That's, that's what worst. you do. That's the worst. Mark, uh, last question. When, and this is super morbid, but just bear with me for a moment. Uh -oh. When you are long, long gone, no longer walking this earth, what do you want people to remember you for? What's your legacy? That I won a national championship in four sports that have nothing to do with each other, and three world championships in three different sports. Powerlifting, strongman, and wrestling. They have nothing to do with each other. And I, I mean, if there's another athlete on earth that has won a world championship in three sports, I want to know who they are because that would put me in good company. Awesome. I thought you were going to say being at my wedding, but that's not your legacy. You know what? I had a, I had the best time. We had a good time, didn't we? At your wedding. So Mark was at the wedding, and he helped um, when we did the hora. He helped lift the chairs, of course, because you got to get the world's strongest man who's at your wedding to help lift your parents up. And the best picture I'll put it on Instagram for everyone to to see is they had brought the cake to me, and they said we're gonna put little icing hearts all over the cake. Is that cool with you? And I said, look at me. Do I look like I want icing hearts on my cake? No. Take those off. And they were like, well, what are you going to put on the cake? And I said, 
well, my husband likes wrestling, this so one. we'll put wrestling figurines on the cake. The, the color left her face. She looked at me like I was insane. She was like, you mean like a cake topper, right? And I was like, no, no, no. Oh, just the actual figure. Climbing off the cake. Yeah, that was second to, um, hey, we have a book of ice sculptures. Which ice sculpture would you like? The swans kissing? And I was like, no, uh, if I have to have one, how about my dog? And she was like, excuse me? What? And I was like, yeah, I want my dog as the ice sculpture at the wedding. And she was like, so, so we don't really do that. And I was like, well, here's a picture. You guys can make it happen, right? Make it happen. I mean, we made a circus out of this wedding. This poor woman. How, how, is, how is Bear? Six. He's good. He's good. I miss Bear. Yeah, he's adapting well to the new place, so he's doing well. Thanks for asking. It's like people ask, how are the kids? It's like, how is How's Bear? Yeah, he's my child. That's your baby. So I'll put up the picture of you um, with our wedding cake posing next to the wrestling figurines. It's a pretty classic photo. Awesome. I but, want a copy of it. Like, I have a photo. Oh, I'll send it to you. I haven't sent it to you that, yet? No. I have, oh, I have the only picture that I have of y'all in my phone is the one that I sent to you yesterday. Yeah. Like, y'all I like just, that photo. <laughs> just, we're pretty cheesy. Yeah, we're good at cheesy. doing that. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Fans, if you want to catch Mark at the Mark Henry on Twitter, are you on Instagram too? On everything, the Mark Henry. Okay, and what about your show? You want to talk about your show? Well, it's, it's still in formulating stages, and okay. uh, we'll uh, we'll get it going. But Dennis Rogers, who is um, the foremost expert in the world on bending steel with his hands, he and I are getting together, and we're starting to travel and go do appearances and shows. And uh, some of it is faith-based. Uh, I don't try to push my uh, Christianity or my spiritual nature on other people. Mm -hmm. I want people to accept it. That's what Jesus would want. He would want you to accept it. And um, But we do the shows to entertain people. Yeah. And um, as a byproduct of who we are, it comes out naturally. Yeah. So... Well, we started with the Christ the Redeemer statue, and uh, yeah. your show will have uh, some faith base to it. So we came full circle. Full circle. I like it. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to our studio crew today for helping out. Appreciate it Thanks, as guys. always. And let's You're go the get best. a snack. You're the best. You're the best. I see you out there. You can wave. It's okay.